Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Leading to Success podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Owens, and I am one of the 2021 to 2023 Chinese of the Godolphin Flying Start program. For the next three episodes, we will give insight to the Flying Start program, share with you our experiences, and what we have gained from it so far. Going forward, we will also have on industry guests and alumni to not only talk about the program, but also talk about industry events and challenges. So listen in, and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Godolphin Flying Start on Twitter, at Flying Start News, or any of our trainees. Joining me on this episode of the podcast is fellow team leader Jessica Daw. We'll also have on the racing secretary of Keeneland and Churchill Downs, Ben Huffman, and at the end, we'll have on racehorse trainer Brad Cox as he discusses his three exciting Kentucky Derby to contenders. Joining me today is first-year trainee Jessica Daw. Jessica, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me, Taylor. Okay, so tell me a little bit uh, about your background. Did you grow up in racing? Did you come in as an outsider? Um, I didn't actually. I'd grown up around horses, um, but it was actually after my A-levels um, that I managed to find British Racing School, which sounded like a lot of fun. Um, and from there, I kind of went on and did my degree in equine management while still kind of riding out and keeping into racing that way. From there, I went to go work at Weatherby's, which was great, giving me a real kind of insight to that administration side, which I then went on to go work for Joe Chute um, down in Lambourne. Once I'd finished there, I went to go do my master's, another year at uni, um, and rode out for another great trainer, Laura Morgan. And then once I'd finished, well, whilst I was finishing that, I did the BHA graduate programme, which is a fantastic programme that the BHA run kind of over the summer. Um, and once I'd finished that, I went to go work for Ed Walker for three years as training head girl. Wow, so you've got a lot of hands-on experience as well as the academic side with the BHA. That's in race course operations, is that correct? Yeah, that was right. That's where I did my placement. So you do a two-week um, kind of course in Newmarket um, and you get talks from all over the industry, different people, which is brilliant. And then, yeah, I did eight weeks in London with the BHA itself in race course operations. Um, so I went around all the different race courses and looked at a number of different projects. Wow, it's actually pretty eye-opening uh, to the industry over there, and uh, might compare a little bit to Flying Start on a smaller scale, but must have given you really great insight. Um, now, since you've been on the program, you've spent time in Ireland and England, and which you're familiar with both those now, but how have those compared to being in America, and what were some of the biggest differences that you found? When I first came over, and we were looking at a number of the different stallions with the stallion shows, it was the pure size of them that really struck me. It was completely different. Um, and as I've kind of seen more of the racing side of things and, and got more into that, the actual race day experience is very different. And I think that England and the UK as a whole could take a lot from how America runs its kind of race day operations and the way it's presented in terms of entertainment. Like we went to Gulfstream and the whole package was, was a great day out. Whereas there's some smaller race courses in Britain that maybe you could take a bit from that. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting. And even here at Keeneland too, it's a little bit smaller, um, but like, you know, compared to someplace like Gulfstream, uh, but like the runtime in between races, for example, here compared to like England and Ireland uh, is much shorter by about eight, almost 10 minutes on some days. Yeah. Um, and it's completely jam packed as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but we still have some fantastic turf racing here, right? Yeah. It's, that was one of the main differences as well, that kind of turf racing is always the second-class system in this country, whereas, you know, we're, we're all focused on that in the UK. Um, but I'd love to see it kind of take off a little bit more here. I think it could be really interesting. Since you've been in America, outside of racing, what's been something that you've had a lot of fun doing or would like to try? I love the sports game. We went to the basketball game and that was brilliant like the the atmosphere that you have uh, there is a brilliant compared to a lot of the kind of sports that you'd have back in the UK um I like the culture as a whole in you know trying the shopping and the nature around here as well went to Raymond's Run Nature Sanctuary which is very cool um, so I'd like to see a bit more of that now the kind of weather's brightened up a little bit more as well uh, yeah, there's a few uh, rivers and, and places that we like to go kayaking and, and hiking so Definitely will take you out to like Red River Gorge or something at some point. Absolutely, I'd love that. Um, and we've got the Kentucky Derby coming up as well, which will be a huge experience for you and the rest. Um, I myself have never been, so it's something I'm really much looking forward to. I'm excited for you guys to see it. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited to um, I think it'll be a spectacle. Yeah. Especially the whole week around it, the build-up. Yeah, be very cool. So we've talked a little bit about your background, what you've been able to see and do um, on the program since you've been on Flying Start. But after graduation, I understand it's not until next June of 2023, but do you have your eyes set on you know, a career path yet? What is it that you'd like to see yourself doing? I think I've always wanted to go down that kind of training route and the racing route and everything that I've done so far in sampling the, the kind of breeding things, which has been great to kind of get that background understanding. But it's all kind of reaffirmed my ambition to stay on that route and go down that. I initially thought, you know, I'd love to train in Britain, but actually seeing kind of racing out here and the different opportunities and how different it is, I would be more open to perhaps moving abroad and trying my luck there. Oh, excellent. Any turns, yeah, we can get you back here in the States and uh, train on the dirt. I certainly wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> Well, on the note of becoming a trainer, you have a very exciting externship opportunity coming up. Uh, would you like to share the news? Yep, so it's just been confirmed that I'm going to be based with Brad Cox um, on my externship, which is hugely exciting. Do you know which track you'll be based at yet? Um, at the minute, I think it's going to be Keeneland um, with his top assistant, Tessa. So Very exciting. Any idea what they're going to have you be doing while you're there on your externship I think a little bit of everything hopefully riding out a little bit as well never ridden on an American track so that would be a real eye-opener and great experience and then you know getting hands-on on race day preparations bit of veterinary work and kind of all that that entails right and we're just an hour from Churchill from Keeneland so hopefully you'll be able to be on the van maybe you know see some of the the race day operations over on that track as well which would be really exciting yeah I believe that's all in the plan as well to head over there as well oh excellent well I'm very excited for you Brad's great we're gonna have Brad Cox on later to talk about some of his uh potential derby contenders on the first Saturday in May uh so check that out later on in this episode um, but Jess, yeah, very much look forward to hearing about your experience there with Brad Cox and best of luck to you on your externship and the rest of the program. Cool. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome back, everyone, to the Leading to Success podcast. I am now joined by Ben Huffman, the Racing Secretary at Keeneland and Churchill Downs. Ben, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome, Taylor. 
Now, for some of our international audience, they don't have the role of racing secretary there at the racetracks. Could you real briefly just touch on what a racing secretary does here at the racetrack? Sure. A racing secretary does many things, but the most important thing a racing secretary does in the United States is writing the condition book. And that's all types of races that we offer from uh, sprint races to route races, uh, dirt races, tur- turf races, and levels of races. So racing secretary writes all of the types of races uh, for, for the daily cards. Racing secretary in America also, uh, another key role that they do is the allocation of stall space at, at the racetrack. So trainers in the United States apply for stall space at all the racetracks, and a racing secretary looks and studies the past performances of those trainers' horses, and then we decide how many stalls each trainer gets, you know, some guys get all they want, other guys get, you know, a partial number of what they want or need, and unfortunately sometimes uh, if, if I don't think they can compete where I'm a lot in stalls at, sometimes people don't get any stalls, so that's a, that's a tough part of the job is stall allocations, but the main thing is the writing of the races in the condition book. Okay, and that's very different because over in Ireland and Europe, a lot of those trainers come from their own racing yards and they have their horses on those stalls and they don't have to um, really apply for that space as we do here, which is a big culture shock I experienced when I went over there to to Ireland and saw that firsthand. Now, on the note of the condition book, it's often referred to as the horseman's Bible, uh, so to speak. Now, Churchill Downs opens on April 30th. And we're in the middle of the Keeneland Spring Meet, which really kicks off spring and springboards us up to the Kentucky Derby. Now, how does your role in maintaining and growing that energy that the racing community has and the general public uh, into the Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday of May? Well, we're pretty lucky here in Kentucky just being, just for me personally, being at Keeneland and Churchill. But I can just give you an early indication of opening weekend here at Keeneland. The energy is up, and it, it, energy is always high this time of year in Kentucky, but for, for whatever reason, it's probably the tail end of the pandemic and the shutdowns and partial lockdowns for a couple of years. There is more energy right now, today, last weekend, going to leading to the Kentucky Derby. It, it's, it's quite obvious, so the energy's back. We've always had good energy in the spring, but I can feel it, I can sense it. The number of calls from trainers around the country, you know, asking about certain races, nominating to our staked races. I can just tell you, energy is at an all-time high leading into the Derby this year. I mean, I can feel it. I'm not, I mean, I'm talking about it, kind of have goosebumps because the pandemic was hard on everyone and the whole world, all businesses, but you know, people not being able to come to the track or skipping meets the last couple of years. It feels like we're almost back to normal, and uh, I can sense it big time. Oh, it's very exciting. They're, they're all hungry for the product, and you know they'll turn up for it. No question. Now, with the Kentucky Derby, um, in recent years, they've, tra- they've moved to a point system, and horses have to garner points by finishing uh, in the top placings of a race, and enough points gets them into the Kentucky Derby. Now, how has that changed, in your opinion? How has that changed the dynamic of the race and the type of horse that's getting into the Derby compared to years prior? Well, the whole the whole point behind the point system, if you will, was to reward the horses that are currently in good form leading up to the Kentucky Derby, preferably with two-turn route race form. 
Um, yes, we hear all the time that there's, you know, there's the, the, the Derby has less of a pace because the, the sprinters from yesteryear uh, are not in the race, you know, setting the just lightning fractions. Um, all things considered, I all the, the point system is working. We feel like we're getting the right horses in, the now horses. And there's, I still think there's plenty of pace in the Derby. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think the jockeys are riding smarter derbies. You know, they're not going out there going 44 and change and, and 109 and change for three quarters very often. So I think the, the top riders in this country, they're controlling the pace better versus because there's still speed in the derby. There's always speed in the derby. But um, by and large, we think the point system is working as is. Excellent. It's always an interesting topic that kind of comes around year on year. Um, but in my opinion, as you kind of said, it's a very competitive race, and it's always very exciting to see, um, especially following the trail, um, which is listed on the Kentucky Derby website. Uh, you can follow along, see the different points races, um, also on the international scale, Hong Kong, Japan, uh, and more. Now, Ben, I don't want to keep you too long. There is a beautiful day uh, ahead of us with more races to come. But real quick before I let you go, who is your early derby pick at this time? I'm going to be a homer because uh, working at Keeneland and Churchill, but I normally pick the Bluegrass winners and Don. That was really, really impressive. And I hate to be a homer, but I'm always rooting for the Bluegrass, someone out of the Bluegrass to win the Kentucky Derby. It's been a while, but his Zandon's race in the bluegrass was just as an, as impressive as, as any other prep race, uh, epicenter. I thought he was really impressive in the Louisiana Derby, but the Derby's always, uh, I don't know. I don't pick, I haven't picked many winners in the Derby. I think it's hard to do, but, uh, I, I, my pick right now is, is the bluegrass winner Zandon. All right. Very exciting. Um, all right. Well, I will let you go. Thank you for your time, and I hope you have a fantastic weekend. We've got the Lexington uh, coming up. It's another 20 points uh, to the winner for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, so have a great weekend, and thank you for coming on. You're welcome, Taylor. Enjoyed it. Welcome back, everyone, to the Leading to Success podcast. Uh, continuing with our Derby theme, I'm sitting here with Mr. Brad Cox. Brad, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. Now, you won the, your first Kentucky Derby last year with a horse, Mandaloon. Now you have three very exciting horses this year, potentially making it to the first Saturday in May. Can you please tell us a little bit about the Arkansas Derby winner, Cyberknife, and what he's been up to? Well, he's a uh, son of gun runner that came to us last summer. It was a little bit challenging in the beginning in regards to training, uh, but you know, he's come around. Um, he's a nice colt. He won Grade One, the Arkansas Derby. Uh, so that took a, a little pressure off, I guess, moving forward. And you know, hopefully, uh, you know, he, he cemented cemented himself as a, a stallion uh, in the Kentucky uh, in Kentucky here in a couple of years. So uh, you know, it was big big for the horse. Um, obviously, gun runners off to a big start, and uh, he's trained really well. He shipped to Churchill uh, about around three days after the Kentucky Der- or Arkansas Derby. And, um, you know, seems to really be moving forward mentally, which has always been a little bit of a challenge with him. And he's a very sound horse. So looking forward to, uh, you know, having three works with him leading up to the Kentucky Derby. And now you had Zozos, who put in a very game effort in mm-hmm. the Louisiana Derby. Um, he's the lightest race of the three with only three starts so far. Will you manage him any differently 
um, because of this inexperience? No, no he, he, he'd be a horse that would have four works prior to the Kentucky Derby. He's already had one work post um, Louisiana Derby. It was, it was a half mile in 48-2 on April 8th. Uh, Breeze very, very well. Horse is doing really well. He's, um, I believe he's out of a forced camp mare. You know, he's a little bit, I'd call him faster-looking horse maybe than than say Cyberknife in regards to just his physical ability. Stockier, carries more muscle, maybe a short-coupled horse, a little bit shorter-coupled horse. Um, and I guess really the question with him would be maybe if a mile and a quarter would be outside of his pedigree. But, you know, honestly, I was very happy with his run there going a mile and 316. I think he's going to get a lot out of it. He's going to have six weeks to catch up. Um, so, uh, you know, and obviously, like you said earlier, only three runs. So you know, I think there's a tremendous amount of upside for him. And last but not least, uh, you've got Tony Port, who's actually entered in this week's, or this Saturday's Stone Street Lexington, one last out in the Jeff Ruby Stakes at Turfway Park on the synthetic. Uh, how's he going? He's doing really well. He had an easy breeze at Churchill on Monday for in preparation for the Lexington. Uh, you know, it's going to just be a second run on the dirt. Um, his one run come against some very, very good horses in the epicenter, Zandon, Smile Happy, and, you know, he wasn't but, you know, four or five links off some of those. So, you know, I'm excited about getting back on the dirt, getting some experience, and hopefully it'll be enough to propel him forward and, and, and you know, earn him a spot in the, in the starting gate in the Derby. Okay. And final question before I let you go. Is there any pressure now that you're the reigning Kentucky <laughs> Derby winner from last year? Well, to- um, you know, that, that's uh, – <laughs> That was an odd way to obviously uh, be, be called a derby winner. So, you know, there was obviously no thrill with the victory with obviously not, you know, crossing the wire first and having your pitcher taken in the winner circle. So, uh, you know, we definitely want to experience that. But uh, not really. Listen, we have three Colts that are in position, and uh, hopefully they if they run their race and get good trips, they'll be effective in the derby, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time, and good luck this Saturday with Tony Port and going forward with the three in the Kentucky Derby. Thank you very, very much. So, as we conclude on today's episode of Leading to Success, I want to send out a special thank you to Godolphin for sponsoring us on our two-year course, to our Executive Director, Clodagh Cavanaugh, to Martin Larkin, who has assisted and supported us in creating this podcast. To learn more, please visit the Godolphin Flying Start website or reach out to their Twitter, at Flying Start News. I also want to extend a thank you to our guests, Jessica Daw, Ben Huffman, and Brad Cox for joining us on this episode. We'll be back next month featuring more trainees, alumni, and industry professionals to discuss the Good Often Flying Start program, careers in racing, as well as news and events in the horse racing industry. I've been your host, Taylor Owens, leading you to success.